Coming up on this week's Big Footy Podcast, we talk all about player retirements, the coaches have a dinner with Gil and McLaughlin, and we ask if Mick Malthouse is still capable of coaching the Blues. All that and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Joining me tonight, I have the complete and total A-team here. I've got Mike. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, everyone. Hello. I've got Seppo here as well. Good evening, Wookie. Good to be back. And joining us just before bedtime with his feet up and a warm <laughs> cup of cocoa, I've got the old man himself, Messenger. Good evening. It's actually not Coco, it's Horlicks. Thank you very much. Bonox, maybe. Christ, you are old. <laughs> <laughs> that he even knows what Horlicks is is a given indicator of his age. Uh, I'm, back... I'm very, very wise and learned. <laughs> back when he was voting for Menzies and stuff. Anyway, um, guys, what was your highlight of uh, the last round? All right, I'll have to say... Um... My highlight of the last round was seeing young Jack McRae's form after uh, after uh, McCartney had put a rocket up his backside the week before. Well, I, I don't, I wouldn't say he put a rocket up his backside, but he certainly gave him a few words of encouragement to where he needed his focus, his game plan. And uh, a week later, nineteen year old, forty odd possessions, a couple of goals. So um, you know, showed that he can play football and showed that he's going to be a player of the future, no doubt about it. Mm. Seppo. Oh, for me, the um, the big result that actually went our way was uh, Richmond beating Port. So it's great to see those guys get up and about. And, and that game produced, um, only caught the highlights of it, but it looks like it produced a couple of great highlights of that big running goal from uh, White and Blue. And uh, Messenger, what do you got? Oh, I couldn't have been happier that Brian Taylor was suspended from the call on Sunday. I was thrilled. Brian Taylor oh. is Rex Hunt without the humour. And uh, hopefully get a great big dose of shut up out of that one. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my highlight for the week was well, I didn't really have one. I've got to admit because uh, my team got flogged. Um, so if I had to pick one, I'd have to say Haw- uh, Hawthorne getting over Adelaide. It's always a delight when Crows fans lose. And Jack, I... Jack Gunston comes home and breaks a few hearts. Beautiful well, stuff. Didn't really care about the details, just the, the result was enough for me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need for your bitterness to come and spill out of the podcast. No need exactly. Hey, hey. Have some Horlicks. We'll start, we'll, start, we'll start talking about yes. the draft if you want, Mike, and we'll see who's bitter <laughs> then, shall we? Matthew Watson. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> Sorry, I've got two reds. Well, while, we're, while we're looking at this round, I think the other highlight for me was this is the first time um, Frio has actually got the biggest um, score of the round. They kicked uh, 21 goals, 10, 136, and this is the first time this year we've actually put a, a decent score up, although against GWS, but this is the first time we've actually uh, put a heap of goals behind a team because I've just had a look through the whole fixture and we've really struggled to put a big score, so that's a bit of a highlight for me as well. How many goals did you kick against Collingwood in round one, just to remind me? Um, more about... 18. 18? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's... 
That's that's, I mean, that's, that's fair going. I must admit I'd forgotten that game was on. I think I'd passed out from boredom after the eighth game of the round. So <laughs> it, it wasn't the best of rounds. Let's face it. No, no, let's let's not gild the lily. It but was shocking. It was w- shocking. We'll get stuck into that round shortly. But first of all, the news from uh, so far this week, and we've got some retirements coming up, and some uh, articles being written about those retirements, obviously. And uh, there's an article in the Herald Sun that goes through those. And uh, we've had Ben Rutten retire. We've had uh, obviously Jonathan Brown retire. Chris Judd is talking about retirement. Um, Nick Maxwell retired. Woo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's there's, and there's other players I'm sure that are retiring as well that haven't announced yet. Guys, over to you. Retirement. What are we thinking? Well, there seems to be quite a few this year. I, I, do you think they they make the decision now that the, they 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 can't? Is it, is it just that they can't do it anymore? I mean, Maxwell was obvious one. He had an injury that's so bad that he's not going to play again this year. But but Lenny Hayes, I mean, I feel awful that Lenny Hayes is retired. He, he looks to me like he could just keep going and going. He's just he's just one of those guys. But I think they must they must make the decision that it's either too hard or, or whatever. But you do get the feeling they're going on their own terms rather than sort of a Dermot Brereton retirement in inverted commas, so, which is nice. I think it's the impression and the high level of this game now that um, the guys are seeing that the older guys can't keep up with it. And like you said, they want to go on our terms and um, finish up before they're struggling to get games. And it'll be interesting to see how Judd goes because that's one that people could look at him in his last few games. And if he tries to push himself through injury and have um, you know shocking performances on the field that might you know taint what we uh, remember him by. So it'll be interesting if there's going to be a trend now of more guys retiring when they've got something still left in the tank and be interesting what they're starting to feel like once they've um, left the game behind them. I think it was interesting that the Herald Sun listed basically anyone over 30 in their list of players who could retire at the end of the season. So 30, that's it, you're done. But surely the state of your team has something to do with it too and in that respect you could perhaps understand why guys like Lenny Hayes has gone and... Um, and uh, Rutten and Glass and guys like that because... There's probably no real prospect of them going for another flag, whereas Boomer Harvey probably thinks that he's got he's got the smell of another flag in his nostrils, and that would um, get him up. and And Judd probably doesn't want to be part of the tanking environment. I think Dustin Fletcher probably wants to hang around a couple more years <clears throat> while Essendon's window is still open. Until <laughs> <laughs> he's fifty. Yeah. But, I mean, why get not? out the Zimmer frame. Was it the or thirty-eight? How old he's, is he? I know he's, he's, he's thirty six. I think. No, no, he's older than thirty six. Brent, Brent Harvey's thirty six. Um, I think uh, I think Dustin's turned thirty nine. But um, oh, he is thirty nine. Yeah. So yeah, well, they yeah. say that the, the big guys take longer. But you got to remember with Fletcher, he's not getting injured. He's doing the job that he's required to do by the club and doing it well. Um, he's not. We showing could see him going around next year. That's amazing. He's not showing any signs of wear and tear. Whereas you know. Guys like Bradley had to quit to, you know, for... I don't know why Bradley quit in the end. He offered to come back the year after to play for free, so... But guys like Harvey, they're still running around as well. I, I, I'm not sure why these people have to retire at 33, 
But it looks like a lot of them this year is um, long-term injuries that are getting them. So, yeah, obviously, Maxwell's is. gone. You lost Scotland early, didn't you, with a... Yeah, Scotland wasn't injured so much as just he was whole... I think the, they sat down with the list and thought, you know, he's had enough time. <laughs> I mean, he's 34 this year. Um, he he, he got one? rookied last year, and it was either he gets another spot in the rookie list or he doesn't play. So he'll also, end up going out and playing a... for Yarrawonga or something next year, and yeah. good for him. Also, there's another there's another part to the story too. It's how much preparation these older guys have to put in just to get their body up for a game yeah. on the weekend. And uh, I remember hearing um, it was a couple of years back now when Barry Hall retired in 2011. He said his body could have gone on another year, but it's just the effort and how much longer it takes at that age and that peak or that that uh, part of time to to get right for the game and. You got You got to. I guess you've just got to get to a point where you think enough is enough, and especially you know the, the guys who have had long-term debilitating injuries. You know, it takes them even more work to get their body up in time for the game, and you probably get to a point where you think, is it really worth it? You know, week in, week out, finishing with pain. There's a lot of stuff you don't see that goes on behind the doors with injections and ice baths and stuff like that. And I guess you know, after so many years, the body says, you know, or the, the guys say, look, I've had enough. I think it's timing up the boots. Yeah. yeah. There is an exception to this retirement uh, uh, fad that's going on, and um, Mike uh, Bob Murphy has signed on for for one more year, or he's he signed on for an eight, another year. I don't know if it's yep. going to be his last or not. But um, how old's Bob now? He'll be thirty-two, is he? Yeah, he's in his early thirties. I think he's around thirty-two. So he'll be, he'll be thirty-three next year. Um, he, he's another player, I guess. That you know, it's going to go on year by year, depending on how his body goes. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Gia hangs up the boots this year. I think he's almost run his race. But Murphy's one of those players where if he manages his body okay and doesn't uh, suffer any injuries, he can sort of get through the season. That's pretty much what he's been doing today. Um, he's been lucky in that sense where he's uh, stayed relatively fit. But in saying that, he's, he's definitely his skills aren't as slick as what they used to be. And he has slowed down a couple of notches um, quite uh, quite noticeably so I think it's probably just another matter of time with Bob am I surprised to see him going in another year not really would I be surprised to see him going in another two years I think so yeah and Gia probably was the guy that went a year too long really wasn't he I... well I think it's the the reason why Gia stayed around was really because of the sub rule because of the change to the sub rule and he he was going to be that designated sub player that can come on you know be a bit of a pinch hitter on the forward line kick a few gobs goals um, and where he's played most of the games starting off uh, on the ground he's he has struggled and he has run out of puffs so yeah look I I probably think if it wasn't for the sub rule I don't think we, we would have seen Jerry out there this year mm. Seppo um, McFarlane's 33 Pavlich is 33 Sanderlands is 32 how, how, how much time have we got left on these guys I think if there's anyone at Freo that could retire last year we didn't actually have any players retire which is um quite interesting um but this year if there's going to be one i think it will be mcfarlane due to constant soft tissue injuries and, and he's had a bit of a history but sandlands and um pav look like they're going around they've signed on for next year so i don't think we'll see either of those two but i i do fear in the back of my mind it might be a 50 50 call at the end of the year depending what happens you know maybe last week in september but it um if we do lose one it's probably going to be um mcfarlane mm. And uh, Messenger, Brian Lakes, 33, and uh, not in the best of books at the moment. 
No, Brian Lake doesn't. He's a, he's a bit friendless at the moment, and, and I guess one of the things that came up that, that's interesting about his his suspension is that he, when he came to Hawthorne, he had two years left on his Bulldogs contract, and Hawthorne renegotiated that contract and stretched it out to three years. But the third year is a, a, a club option that's based on how many games he plays in year two. Well, that's one of the triggers. Now, it's quite possible, and I don't know how many games there are. I think it's around about the 14 or 15 mark. It's quite possible he won't make that trigger because of the suspension. Mm. And you would have to wonder whether he'll go around. My guess is they will pick him up for that third year. I, I, I hear that they, Hawthorne have gone off the whole idea of um, Frawley uh, and, uh, and young Caden Brand, who's a quite a... Uh, a promising young key defender, 196 centimetre key backman. Um, he's really being brought along in Box Hill. He's in his second year on the list. So, you know, I would I would expect Lake to go around. He hasn't put a lot of wear and tear on the body this year with uh, the injuries and obviously sitting in the grandstand. So, um, yeah, Just wear and tear I, I, on others. <laughs> we're, we're wear and tear on people's uh, patience, I think, would be more to the point. Yeah, yeah. And Sammy Mitchell and Sean, Boy, uh, Sean Burgoyne, they're both 32, both contracted for next season. Will they go on? Yes, yes. I, I don't see any, any issue with either of those two going on. Whether they go on past that, I don't know, and that may have something to do with the, 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 um, the form of the list. But, yeah, I think um, you'll, you'll see them both around for 15. Alrighty. Well, let's move on. Um, it's multicultural round, Mike tells me. And, Do uh, I? Well, or Seppo. One of you two told me before the podcast. <laughs> that's right. And that's what Seppo's got some <laughs> banner, and it's got, like, French and Italian and all sorts of other foul European languages on it. Um, Seppo, why don't you tell me what multicultural round is? Um, well, for what Freo are doing this round is, um, you know, a bit of introduction or recognition of the um, different cultural backgrounds and sort of diversity we've got. Um, so it's quite interesting reading just the uh, the heritage and the background of some of our players. So written on a banner, um, I don't know the exact words, but we've got like Go Freo written in Zimbabwean dialect for um, Tendai Mazungu, who's on our list, and, um, you know, Forts of Freo now for all the uh, the Italians out there. So... It's um, interesting, and even just looking at some players that, you know, not the Australian or Indigenous type, that um, do have some, um, you know, cultural backgrounds outside of Australia. And it's um, really interesting to see some of those players you wouldn't expect um, have some, like, Indian or one of those sort of exotic countries around, um, sort of the real mix that um, some of these players are actually bringing. Um, and it's quite sort of timely in, you know, a couple of weeks' time when we actually go into the uh, international rules just to see all these countries other than Australia actually playing our game. It's quite interesting. Messenger, mm-hmm. what's your club doing for um, multicultural round? Absolutely no idea. I imagine we'll celebrate Ryan Schoenmaker's Dutchness in <laughs> multicultural round. I honestly don't. I'm a bit nonplussed by multicultural round, to be honest. I, can, I guess we'll talk about Jezelenko and we'll talk about some of the leaders and there's a, a fairly rich Italian heritage in in, in, in our game, particularly as it pertains to Carlton and the Mafia and yeah. brown paper bags and things like that. I pretty but, much just expect um, our banner to yeah, be I'm Italian a little and non- plus about it. I don't mind theme rounds generally, but multicultural round. Is there any? Have you made sure you've got the translation right on the Freo banner, Seppo? 
Uh, is there any yeah, dungeon? No, it's all good. It said your your goat is delicious written on the banner or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? But we've had it all checked off. I have read that there's going to be actually some um, some ceremonies around. I think some people getting their Australian um, citizenship at some of the games yeah. and a whole bunch of free free ticket offers. I think around for some international people to come along to these games so it, there is a bit of a mix around not just um for a particular club but it looks like all all people i think there's clubs uh um no the umpires i think have orange on to reflect the um i think orange is a color of um multiculturalism or something like that that's recognized and i think players are wearing orange laces as well yeah really and and what Christ. are they going to wear orange for the giants game as well because that would be a problem wouldn't it <laughs> What's Wookie laughing about in the background? I've just, I've just seen what Carlton are doing for their multicultural round. We've oh, got... no. This can't... <laughs> the Blues will tweet in Mandarin. Oh, wow. That's what we're doing. We've got some Mandarin kid who is going to tweet in Mandarin during the game on Friday night. Something Tapping look... into a new market. Something to look forward to there, folks. <laughs> there you go, Messenger. <laughs> you thought it was going to be a boring Friday night game. I, I haven't, because I haven't um, seen what Hawthorne's doing. They haven't actually listed anything yet. But, yes. Although I do notice that they've got a new range of Sesame Street Hawthorne uh, merchandise. So I'm going to buy myself an Elmo Hawthorne T-shirt. The, do thing, the thing I like most about this multicultural round is, um, I think they did it last year around the finals time as well, when they actually bring in those... Uh, commentators from overseas and actually hear our game called in another language and I think it's the NAB that do those little yeah. ads and clips around that's um, funny to hear someone call a game in a different language I, I do like the um, multicultural side of things from uh, listening to um, other people you know, watch and, and listen and react to our game Alrighty, going to move on quickly uh, got to cover the big news of course and that's Eddie Maguire and his uh well, rants against the uh, Northern clubs and their academy systems and everything like that. Uh, Gillan McLaughlin apparently told them all to shut up today. <laughs> just said he's had, no- had enough. Feels that everyone should just, you know, back off. Um, it's a, as Go mess- back to their corners, I think was the phrase. Messenger's chair chipping in there. Um, I think that no, both- no, that's a door opening. I shall be back. <laughs> I think that both of I those... I don't know what the hell's going on there. I think that both of those... Back under the stairs. Yeah. Cut them away. <laughs> back, in, back in the barrel. Um, I think that both of those guys would regret where this has got to. McLaughlin told reporters, I don't think it's edifying for either Maguire um, or Pridham to, or, or for our game to be having a personal slanging match. Hopefully we've seen the end of it. So, uh, yeah. Fun stuff there. Very fun. Hmm. <laughs> so, no, nobody really cared about what Eddie thinks about Sydney, do they? Well, Karen Wilson does. Um, Look, no, it's, nothing it, new. It, it's nothing But is he right, though? Is no, he right? he's not. He's or not is right. He the players, well, if he's not right, then he can shut up, you know. The players that go through the academy go through the same system that the Southern clubs use for father-son. You have to bid on them. They're not automatically granted to them. Um, you get to see them in the under-18s championships just like you do everybody else. Uh, there's nothing to it. There is absolutely nothing to it. And how many? And how many of those players have, that, have the Swans got on their list? One. Is that correct? Yeah, there's not many. And other clubs. The young Jack is is the guy. Um, Taylor Walker was a 
uh, from Adelaide, Adelaide's star forward. He was an under-18 scholarship player from New South Wales. So, um, I mean, it, it, other clubs are picking them up. You've just got to pay attention. You can't just rely on the TAC Cup and, you know, your local scouts. You've got to... And Eddie's problem is that he thinks that they've got this unfair advantage because they've got first access to these guys, but they still have to go under the draft. We don't have this thing where you get picked locally and you get to stay local now. You know, we yeah, have... That- that young that that New South Wales scholarship program is the one that you're talking about. It's the one that's now finished, isn't it? Yeah, it's now the academy yeah. program. Well, that was the one we snuck through Chris Langford's son. Yeah. In. So yeah, but I mean, and we, Hawthorne had a number of those guys, and some made it, and most didn't. But you know, that's just most the way just hang around on your list for a year or two, and then you know, back home. Yeah. I think the important thing about these academies is actually getting. Um, it's not about the clubs. It's about those young kids in those, um, what they call it, competitive um, markets. And we've got a couple of codes to actually get them into the system and identifying the talent. So it's not about where they end up because, like you say, you're going through that bidding process. So um, for a club like GWS, they're going to obviously have a fairly low draft pick or high, if you call it, like number one, two or three. Um, they're obviously going into a system. It's going to be well used if they're after that and if they want to go with them, it's it's just going to work out that hopefully those players that do come through that system get picked up by someone if it's not going to be within their own state. And well, like... it, de- it demonstrates a pathway for young, local kids as well, doesn't it? And, like gets... and they, that's right. They have to provide that if they want to encourage more mm. kids from those northern states to, to play the game. You know, they've got to yeah. make it accessible. Given Brisbane's... Eddie's making it all about him, but it's actually about those um, young kids. Yeah. And given Brisbane's problems with their go-home issues in the last year or two... I'm I'm forced to wonder whether these northern clubs, whether all interstate clubs, might not be better off having access to a priority pick for a local player. No, no, no. But that that those those sort of things are about the way the clubs run themselves. It's not necessarily about because you know you don't have too many Victorians saying oh, I'd like to leave Frio. I mean, David Mundy's just signed back up. He spent a decade there. It's about the way the clubs are run. And and if you run if you run like a stamp club, then play professional footballers are not going to want to stay with you. But if you're a good sound organisation, you're not going to have that issue. And mm-hmm. we don't have nearly as many go homers as we used to. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but oh, just one thing with Eddie, he also he also made the accusation about Swans not voting against GWS. And what was the other thing he said? He was. Uh, that the Swans have basically been all about self-interest the whole time. Those things are obviously easy, easily provable. Surely, the whole did they vote? The Swans are saying that they did not. They voted for it was, GWS. It was reported as unanimous. So, well, if it's unanimous, that would yeah, that's right. Whereas, uh, you know, yeah, the, and Pridham has definitely tweeted saying that Swans voted for GWS. I'm pretty sure the reports were that everyone voted. Uh, with the AFL for it, so... Well, and and Sydney would vote the AFL line on an expansion anyway, because they're AFL-owned. You'd, you'd expect anyway. Yeah. All right, uh, finally, Mick Malthouse. Uh, in the news, having a bit of a uh, bit of a tiff with uh, Cameron Ling on the weekend. About, and Cameron Ling took a bit of a... took umbrage, I think is the appropriate word, took umbrage at the way he was spoken to. Uh, the, the AFL's told Malthouse that he should pretty much expect uh, him his you know emotional outbursts in the coach's box to be shown on TV at any given time the broadcaster damn well feels like. Yes, well, you know, 
I guess this is what happens when your team's no good. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. No, no, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and, yeah, well, I said last, but uh, this thing's last. The coaches had a bit of a meeting uh, with Gillan McLaughlin not too long ago, and apparently Brad Scott or Chris Scott or one of the Scott brothers... Uh, was pretty keen on it happening fairly regularly. I don't know what they talked about. Perhaps, you know, the closure of roofs on stadiums. Uh, you know, <laughs> Putting I'm, a roof over the MCG, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Frio guys had plenty to say about, you know, not moving our games at the last minute to Cadinia Park, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I can't imagine it was all that impressive, but apparently they did talk about the way... The, it was all informal. They talked about the way the game was being played and the way the game, you know, and, and what they could do to help that. They apparently understand that, you know, the game has to be entertaining while trying to win and not all about, you know, dour defence and, you know, you know, whatever they're doing at the moment. So, what do you think they had for dinner? Do they have McDonald's? Do they just get McDonald's in or something? No, like they apparably that, or... had Indian. Oh, food. is that right? They had Indian yeah. food at McLaughlin's house. Which tells so he, me, just, he just called the local takeaway. It tells you something about the size of McLaughlin's house that he can have 18 people over for dinner. <laughs> well, I believe Mark, well, Mark Evans was there, I believe. And, and so was uh, Mike Fitzpatrick. Mike Fitzpatrick, So uh, yes. there was at least 20 visitors. So did all the other coaches fly in? Or, like, did, did Ross Lyon fly over? I honestly don't know. I wasn't there. I've got no I, was, idea. I wasn't on the invitation. Did the cheer squad have a banner for Ross at Bill's at, at house? <laughs> was it in a no. <laughs> Was it in was it... Indian as he went through the door? <laughs> Namaste, Ross. <laughs> All righty. Quick run through uh, the round's results. And where are we? As we turn our Bibles to uh, afl.com.au, gentlemen. <laughs> Got your research tab now, gentlemen. <laughs> Friday night, Adelaide played Hawthorne at uh, the Adelaide Oval. Hawthorne running away by two goals at the end. Messenger, how did you see it? Terrific game, enjoyed it immensely. If for no other reason that that Adelaide, look, Adelaide played really well. They 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 had a really red hot crack at it, but um, Hawthorne. Uh, did an exceptionally good job. A little bit short-handed at the moment through injuries and other such calamities, but uh, really pleased. I mean, they, they, their record in Adelaide is not the best, and uh, that was a, a really important win because our challenge now with our run home is to uh, to make the top four, and uh, and that's the, the games we, we can't drop now. So, yeah, very pleased. Okay. Uh, guys, you got comments? No. no, Melbourne. Oh, look, I think it was just a game that Hawthorne was. Personally, I thought Hawthorne was always going to win. It was just a matter of by how much and how competitive Adelaide were going to be. But you know, I, I, I'm not surprised that Hawthorne won. Um, I don't think you guys came off with any injuries, did you, from the game? No, not that I'm aware of. No. No. So, so look, you know, if if Hawthorne's just going about their business and doing what they need to do in games, then you've got to be happy with that. Mm. Geelong got over Melbourne on Saturday afternoon to nobody's <laughs> surprise uh, by 68 points uh, mm. any, any of you see that? Just I tried watching it I tried the highlights there was highlights <laughs> I, 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 God knows I tried Wookie I tried for you but hell's bells it was really really difficult to watch it was um, I'm just counting how many goals Melbourne have kicked in the last three weeks now because the answer's 
Not many. Um, is it double figures or not? Uh, well, they kicked 13 against the Western Bulldogs, and then they uh, Frio only kicked four against Frio and five against Geelong. So uh, I think Melbourne have reached that point in the year where uh, it all starts to go millhouse on them, and they, um, they the good times are over. So. Mm. North Melbourne, also on Saturday afternoon, got over St Kilda. Again, not really a surprising result. 48 points this time. Uh, St Kilda kicked three goals, 15 for this game. Oh, three goals, yes, 15. Yes. I tried. I think their first goal came in the second quarter, or late in the second quarter, didn't it? Mm. It did. And well, they missed some absolute dollies as well in, in all of that. But um, uh, it's uh, could St Kilda be worse next year, do you think, than this year? They could be. Because... Um, Losing yeah, guys like Lenny, Lenny Hayes and say if Nick Rewalt goes at the end of this year, it's going to make it a lot harder for them. So, yeah. to, to get that result against North, it's going to be interesting what happens um, from here on end. Yes. Hard hmm. to say. Look, the way they're playing, though, it's really not looking that bright from at this point in time. And, and, you know, they've got some young players, but I think they still need quite a few more good draft picks before they start picking themselves up from that, uh, from that part of the uh, ladder. Well, I mean, they, they, they're, they're Chris Pelkins using the approach that he used with Hawthorne's list management, which is collect lots of picks and have a lot of dips in the draft. But in all of those things, for for every Grant Birchall you find, you find a Mitch Thorpe, and for every uh, for for every um, good player, you find a bad player. So it's a, it's a difficult model, and. Um, and it's and it's very hit or miss. So we will, we will see, but they, they they could be bad for quite a while now. Saturday evening, the Western Bulldogs played the Gold Coast Suns, uh, presumably at Eddie Had. No, no, this was at Cairns. Stadium in Cairns. This was Cairns. Mike, how did you see it, up? Um, well, obviously, a good win by us. That uh, you know. Of course, of course, Mr. Dunstall was barracking for GW, uh, not GW, it's Gold Coast, but I don't know. Look, um, no Ablett, no Suns. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I, uh, they certainly struggled. Um, they just didn't look anywhere near as structured with Ablett there, and, and they struggled against our younger guys. Um, we managed to play out three quarters and had a bad second quarter, but obviously... Well, luckily, didn't uh, go too bad and, and kept up the pace. But I thought for us it was um, it was a good win, uh, considering where we've been this year. And, and it was nice to see some of our younger players starting to come about with uh, McRae and uh, and young uh, Rovat, who got uh, Norwich or the uh, sorry the uh, Rising Star of the Week. <laughs> Norwich um, Star, eh? But yeah, look. Um, was I surprised to see him win? Uh, sort of, yes. I was still thought that Gold Coast would win up there. Um, so, yeah, no, it was, it was good to see uh, our team win up there uh, over, uh, over the Suns. It's funny because I um, looked at this game and, and thinking it was a 50... I think we sat here a couple of weeks ago and talking about you know Gold Coast and where they're at and the, and the Bulldogs. And at this game, I, I thought it was a 50-50 tip and it sort of did go that with a scoreline right the way through. It was only really, like you said, the... the the Bulldogs' young guys getting through, and when you talk about McRae and Rovat and young Liberatore still and Hunter, some of those guys coming through, it's showing that the Bulldogs have at least got a good core. And I think I heard on the radio um, Bob Murphy talking about he got sort of taken along for a, a ride with these young guys. So it's good to see that now they've actually got a bit of a, 
a core group coming through the Bulldogs. So I think they'll be on the up, and it sort of shows from this result that there'll be a couple more wins for the, the rest of the year. Mm. Yeah, I God, think... So in Sorry. terms of what you're saying about the Gold Coast, I I would think that that was one they absolutely had to bank. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so would I. And I'd, I'd be... I think their position is perilous. And, and, and I mean, I, I think Adelaide is probably pound for pound better than Essendon over the long run. But, yeah, do you think Gold Coast are the ones, if one of them's going to drop, it's going to be them? Mm. I think so too, especially now without Ablett there. They're really going to um, fight it hard now to, to sort of maintain that level as they have for the first or most of the year. But um, one, And one of the other things too is they're starting to look very tight uh, Gold Coast and um, mm. that was certainly evident in the third and fourth quarter well. against us uh, Last week, so or on the weekend. So, telling times. Um, are they playing this weekend? Uh, hang on, let me go do my research. Uh, <laughs> Gold Coast have the week off, and then they play the Q Clash uh, yeah. week after. Inter- Saturday week. Interesting game that'll be. Mm. Yes. Speaking yes. of Brisbane, uh, Brisbane Lions played the West Coast Eagles on Saturday night at the Gabba. The Eagles getting up by two goals um, in what must have been a thrilling clash, Messenger. Uh, probably was. <laughs> I can't remember what I was. I was avoiding Sydney and Carlton as well, but um, I don't know. I reckon Adam Simpson could have cost himself a decent draft pick there. That was one he could have said, oh, well, we had to travel all the way to Brisbane and the Lions were too good. But, you know, the West Coast tend to drop precipitously down the ladder. If you've noticed their history, they'll be playing the finals and then they'll come 16th and get a good draft pick. And I think there was an opportunity lost there for the Eagles. Mm. Well, they did win, the Eagles. So. They yeah, that's close what I mean. Opportunity lost. <sighs> right, right, so you think they should be tanking? Yeah, absolutely. And talking of opportunities seized... That's right. We're going into the Swans and Carlton on Saturday night at the SCG and the Swans... If you're going to do tanking, this is how you do it. Oh, yeah. This is... This is... is, Kids, watch closely. This is a pro effort. The the Swans are getting up over the Blues by 71 points in the end. 18-14 to 7-9. What we at Carlton like to refer to as playing the kids. Um, Yes. And playing dead. Once your team starts talking about playing the kids, and I'll give you the hot tip on this, folks, it's tanking by another name. And yes. we talked about this on the podcast. Regular listeners will be aware. People who don't normally listen will be uh, obviously unaware. But uh, we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I can't stand it when clubs do this. I can't stand it when my club does it. I don't follow my club to tank. I don't follow my club not to try and win. I don't know what the hell they thought they were doing on Saturday night, but this kind of incompetence is just not on. And it's just showing a complete lack of progress under Malthouse as far as I'm concerned. Not on, but mildly amusing. Maybe. It's surprising because they're not that bad. They're really not that bad. I don't know what... No, they are. They're just... Yeah, something is fundamentally rotten to the core. Um. Because we know Carlton, we know the players are far more capable of putting better performances than that. Well, they oh. should be, but for whatever reason, they're not. And I lay that squarely at the feet of coaches, because if the players aren't doing their job properly and they've been in the club for years, then they should have either been turfed, traded, or whatever. But they're not. They're still there. And so we've got half-trained, half-skilled idiots running around pretending they're AFL footballers. 
I just think we should probably pause for a moment and discuss no. the the victors, because um, uh, there's been a bit of, a lot of hyperbole going around this week, and in fact there was a a poll in one of the newspapers asking which which list was the best, and they were comparing this year's Swans list to the back to back Hawthorne list, the Essendon two thousand list, and and a few others. But I think we should note that Sydney are pretty good. Mm. They do have a very deep. When you look at that whole list that played and what they've got on the side still, um, they're getting some good, even-sided performances across there. Like when you start to get to the business end of the season, you don't look at your best players. You look at your your worst three or four that are out there, and Sydney's are far better than a side like Carlton's worst three or four out there. Well, Well, good clubs are thirty deep, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, and 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 they're thirty deep. So, and they've had to be tested this year with. You know, Buddy missing a couple, tip it out for a while, and, and they still got guys to return. So Sydney are a very strong list across the board. But what's yes. what, what's good about them is they've got the ability to regenerate very rapidly because they've got the guys in the seconds they can trade off for players that they need as they need them, or they can keep developing those guys who are going along, you know, guys like Tom Mitchell mm. who can't get a game in the seniors, and the guys, you know, making a million possessions a game in the, mm. in the you know... In the Neeful. In the Neeful. <laughs> it is. Sunday afternoon, Richmond played Port Adelaide at, well, what I assume was Eddie had. It was. Um, is that three in a row? Is that three dropped in a row for Port? I think yeah, they've so. lost four out of the last five games now. They They're have, yes. Yeah, so have, have, Port, have Port pulled an Essendon? Like, got off really well to a start? I mean, you, you look at Sorry, Essendon. Sorry, we're talking about drugs now. <laughs> uh, we don't talk about drugs on this show anymore. We've, 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 oh, we've moved away you, from that. You just wonder if Port have got a heavier training load and they're starting to back off, or all the work they've done in for those fast fitness-style gameplay, it's actually a bit taxing now, and they're coming back to the pack where other sides are starting well, to lift the, now. So th- they've been found out. I think the phrase has gone too hard too early, mm. maybe. I, I think so too. Left nothing That's in the tank for late in the season. Don't worry, they've got a reprieve coming up next round. Do they play Carlton? No. Melbourne. Or oh, Melbourne. St Kilda, one of the three of us. Yes. Um, <laughs> speaking of Essendon, Essendon played Collingwood in front of a very small crowd for an Essendon-Collingwood game, it must be said. Um, at 3.20 in the afternoon on Sunday, Essendon flogging Collingwood by 84 points in the Well, 74 points in the end. That's a 64. Um, what am I, that's... a mathematician? Well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 you, you can't do maths? I'm doing this, um, I'm doing this on the fly, all right? I'm not... Your primary school teacher would be ashamed of you right now. Uh, uh, I didn't expect that from Collingwood. I didn't expect him to really drop that that badly. Because Essendon are, are okay, but Collingwood sh- should have won that game, really. Mm. I got this tip horribly long, and, and I thought it, you know, Essendon were going to be the side that starts to drop off now and, and didn't suspect Collingwood to do this terribly. So it's it's funny just watching that result because that's one... I could see Richmond being competitive against Port, but I did not see this result going this way. So I was uh, very far off the mark. I thought Collingwood would have been those uh, dead set certains. And I think it says more about them and how bad they're going rather than about Essendon and how well they perform there. Mm. Mm. All right. I think so too. Yeah. Last, last round for the... Uh... For round 17 was Fremantle GWS, and I don't think this particularly shocked anyone with, uh, I don't know, some amount of points that they won by. 
I'm not even going to try and guess anymore after that, Messenger. Thank you. You've shamed me. Well, you should be ashamed. Seppo, how did you see the game? It was one of those slow starts, and we wound up and and just blasted away in the last quarter. And they did get a couple of um, really lucky, fluky goals. The um, two or three that they um, did score early on were just one of those ones that sort of bounced over a defender, took a lucky bounce, and... Got some crazy goals, but um, this was uh, just a run-of-a-mill free performance, just grinding away to the team without doing anything spectacular until the last quarter where we really did put on the show. So for us, it's it's quite funny when you read engage people's reactions as the game's going on um, when we're not pushing a team early on, but we, we've had very strong third and fourth quarters, and that's when we do our best work. So it's, it's almost putting up a, a defensive wall, we're down the opposition, and then blast them away. It's almost a footprint we've had watching the, our games the last three or four weeks. Mm. Alright, well at the end of the round, the Swans are at the top of the ladder, five wins in a row. They've got Hawthorne up next. Uh, you've got Fremantle also five wins in a row. They're just below them, equal with Hawthorne and Geelong who have come back up. So, uh, Geelong have GWS next <laughs> and Fremantle have St Kilda next. So, uh, some work for well, the Swans need to win to stay on top because uh, once the Swiss Free are going to get something of a percentage booster out of this, and they're only a percent behind the Swans. And uh, mm. yeah, the Cats are probably going to do pretty well, you'd assume, against GWS as well. Cats have a lot of ground to make, but they are game, behind though. in percentage, so they, huge amount. They've they've not travelled well, Geelong. I think. That's the top four, by the way. I think that's that's it now. There's no... I think Port Adelaide are going to drop further. And I think the top four... There might be some shifting in positions, but I think that's what we're going to see, those four teams at the top there. Mm. Mm. Right, so you've got Port Adelaide coming in fifth after their third loss in a row, fourth out of the last five. They've got Melbourne coming up. This should be a win, but we'll find out. Uh, in due time, North Melbourne coming in sixth, chasing the pack. They've got the mighty blues on Friday night. <laughs> and <laughs> shut up, Mr. You, you can't even convince yourself of that, can you? S- Essendon and Collingwood on equal points in seventh and eighth spot with the Suns also on uh, nine wins in ninth. And then after that, the also-rans. You've got Adelaide... Uh, on eight wins, West Coast on seven wins, Richmond and the Bulldogs on six, Carlton on five, and GWS, Melbourne and Brisbane on four, and St Kilda at the bottom, where everybody pretty much predicted they would be at the start of the year. On th- don't, don't, don't write off the Crows yet. Don't write them off. Uh, actually, you know, that uh, comment about Port, though, sliding, looks actually pretty uh, realistic, given they've got Collingwood... After this week, they've got, or the next round, they've got Collingwood, then Sydney, and their last game is against Frio. So they've they, got, they they've got a game against trouble. Carlton in their uh, uh, Port Adelaide. Yeah, they have. Fine. Yeah, they have. At Adelaide Oval. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, goal kickers, leading goal kickers, Jay Schultz still on top there with 50 goals. Lance Franklin, messenger. Is uh, coming in second on 47. Tom Hawkins at 46. Jack Rewalt at 44. Luke Bruce and Jared Roughhead there at 42 and 40 apiece. And Jack Gunston there at 40. So the Hawks with three in a row there in the top 10. Uh, Hayden Ballantyne, uh, Nick Rewalt, and Josh Kennedy making up 
the top guys there. Disposal-wise, you've got Josh Kennedy. Again, uh, Messenger. One of your uh, forgotten what? one of your forgotten sons. Uh, and Gary Ablett, who could have been potentially a forgotten son if the Hawks had known what they were doing with Gary Ablett Sr. many years ago. How many, sorry, how many flags has Gary Ablett Sr. got? Well, none, but... Um, and how many did Hawthorne win while he was plodding away at Geelong pretending to drive trucks for Ron Hobie? <laughs> well, to be fair... Sorry, sorry, just, I'm sorry. Are you saying... Are you saying that Gary Ablett Sr. could not have added to a Hawthorne side that lost several grand finals during that period? I'm saying Gary Ablett was distracted by butterflies. You could have won like 10 grand finals in a row. We, of... we, are, we are greedy at Hawthorne. <laughs> Scott Pendlebury coming in third for the uh, disposals. Matt Prittis, Dyson Heppel, Dion Prescia from the Gold Coast Suns having an impressive season. Scott Thompson, Trent Cochin, Nathan Jones and Nick Del Santo are bringing up the top 10 there. So, fascinating stuff. Into round 18, gentlemen. It'll be a short week this week. Uh, there are only five games due to the split round, the split multicultural round. And starting off with a cracker Friday night game, oh. Messenger. I know oh. you're looking forward to it. It's Carlton and North Melbourne. It's got everything. It's at Eddie Had Stadium. We'll have complaints about the roof. I hope they leave it open. <laughs> I hope it buckets down. I hope that I hope we get an old-fashioned '90s mud pit in the middle of the centre square. I I hope it has uh, everything. I hope there's a good movie on on Friday night. Because <laughs> <laughs> bloody hell, if I have to watch Carlton one more time. Oh god, just go just go and rent Sound of Music or something, will you? They're behind the pillar. Um, let me tell you, North by so many, it will be it will be amazing. You'll be amazed. I'm tipping the upset, Messenger. You're tipping the upset. I'm tipping an upset. Even Bruce McAvoy won't be able to get excited no, I'm about telling this. You, I'm tipping the upset on this. Twenty one points to the blues. Mark. It will only words. take a run down the wing by Yaron to get Bruce excited. No. I, I am tipping that they are gonna have they're going to be shown. all Mick Malt. He's going to Mick Malthess is going to look up the TVs in his in his box, and all he's going to see is his face looking back at him all night. They are going to do it just to piss him off. He'll have his he'll have Mick Cam, <laughs> and he will he will he will blow a woof of valve. His head will actually explode in the coach's box. Oh, imagine the Channel Seven a wonderful coverage they do. Will have their mega wall with a little box with uh, just amongst Mick. their you know radar and a super slow mo with the Mick Cam in there. Guarantee it. That'd be brilliant. I would love that. I've never, I've never got the mega wall, but I do miss Fango. <laughs> oh god, not that crap. Saturday afternoon, St Kilda have Fremantle at Etihad Stadium. Uh, the Saints looking to get a win, and Fremantle looking to continue their uh, number of wins in a row, and looking for top spot here if uh, the Swans can lose and they can get enough percentage. Uh, Seppo. Speaking of wins in a row, if this uh, does eventuate this week, this nine will equal our longest consecutive run of wins. Um, we did it back in, I think it was 2005 or six, with nine wins to finish a season. So this will equal our best. So I wonder if we uh, bust out a DVD with a streak at the end of the season. It'll be uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> interesting viewing. Um, yeah, but it'll just be great to get the win, um, put a side away and get to the top of the ladder because hopefully with the result going our way over the split round, at least we'll be able to spend the weekend at the top of the ladder. Who's going to win, boys? Uh, I designate this 
the Avert Your Eyes game of the week. This is going to be a absolute massacre. More so than Geelong GWS. Oh no 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 no! There will be there'll be tears in the grandstand. Seppo will be the happiest man in the world by quarter time because St Kilda they won't even they won't even see the ball for half the game. You'll have to the three O cheer squad will have to change ends just to see play. <laughs> Sit on the wing. <laughs> it's going to be it is going to be like an under twelves football game where one team's horribly overmatched. We if St Kilda so- kicked three goals against North Melbourne last week, coming against the impenetrable oh. Frio defensive wall, what the will Maginot, happen? The Maginot line of the state <laughs> of football. The Maginot line. Let me tell you. Well, they did kick three goals, fifteen. So we, we, they did have a few shots on goal, but it, this could be. Oh, it could be. It could be a bit like that Brisbane game where they couldn't actually get past the middle of the ground. We could see a record low for inside 50s, I think, for Saints. So, so we're not saying a St Kilda win's possible here, then? No. We, no. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's, not, it's even for, like, not even for Lenny Hayes. Messenger showing his age with the Maginot line. Maginot line, absolutely. <laughs> Look beauty. that one up, kiddies. <laughs> this could be quite the biggest turnaround between two sides. When we last played St Kilda, was uh, the end of last year where we rested everyone and sent our B side over before the finals. And they got up, St Kilda got up, I think, 70-odd points for um, the retiring uh, Cozzy and Blake and uh, Milne, I think. So it, it was a 70-point. This, this could be a big 140-point turnaround. Possibly more. All right. <laughs> oh, I'd be disappointed if you only won by twelve goals. Because <laughs> you could you could kick fourteen and win by twelve goals. <laughs> Saturday night, GWS have got Geelong at uh, Spotless Stadium in Sydney. I reckon both the supporters that go to this game will be will be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Geelong don't travel very well. They've been on the road and they've been absolutely pummeled. And I'd give GWS a sneaky chance to be competitive at three quarter time. Mm, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't really agree with you there, mate. I think Geelong uh, should have, as they've been this year, travelling. I think coming to the finals now, they'll be uh, they'll be very keen on uh, not dropping any of these sort of games. And this is sort of one that they can't afford to lose. So I think uh, Scott will have it right up them, and um, I think they'll win comfortably. Yeah, playtime is over for uh, Geelong. It's it's time to get serious for the finals. I think they'll be a, be very hard to play against for the rest of the season. Mm. I think GWS is starting to drop off. They were missing a, a good couple of key players like Trelaw and um, Shaw and, and some of the other guys, I think, against us. So um, providing they don't have their... Uh, Patton missed as well. So that, they had a good couple of guys out. If GWS had full strength at the moment and played early in the season before they're tired... I'd even give them a chance of beating Geelong because I sort of agree with Messenger with um, Geelong's away form has been terrible this year. So um, I do give GWS a small chance, but I'll still be achieving Geelong. Mm. Mm. Sunday afternoon. Uh, sorry, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday afternoon. Port play Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. And, and uh, anyone, anyone giving Melbourne a chance here? Uh, no. No, I think uh, Port 7-1. Yeah, Port, yeah. Port, <laughs> Port definitely need to get... Game of dive ball. I, 
look, I, I think Melbourne are a big chance to kick eight goals in this game. Um, uh, is Chris Dawes, did he actually die of hypothermia in either of the games he played? <laughs> I thought you were going to say kick eight goals for the rest of the year. Come on. He, he might if he's lucky. But no, I think Porter Porter put out of form, but I think Melbourne will be playing the role of RACV this weekend. They'll get him started. Port, Port must be the shortest odds um, on a team that's lost four of their last five games. And what are they, a dollar? A dollar and five. Get on. Before it gets to a dollar I won. Well, you'll be having to pay them if you win. We can really talk around football, after. Uh, yes. Alrighty. And uh, the other Sunday game, the Western Bulldogs versus Essendon. At Etihad Stadium. Match of the round. Yeah, oh, it, it does look like we'll it does be look like we're going to put Essendon away. Don't worry about that. Ooh, hello. Ooh. Yep. Feisty from the Bulldogs. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. It got the dander up. Why, why do you say that, uh, Mike? What, 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 what gives you that confidence? I think the ability of the guys now, the, the younger guys, to actually run out games and we're just starting to get a little bit better now with our concentration and, and playing through four quarters. Um, I think probably our fitness is is better than Essence in, in that term, uh, in terms of our younger players and our spread there. And I think maybe Essence might be coming off their grand final for the season last week for the big win against Collingwood. So just you know, just my idea of a, of a bit of an upset. Uh, it will take Essence this week. Fair enough. Very important game for Essendon. Very, very important. So, look, they, they they could yeah. If it goes their way this week, if they win this and a cup and Adelaide lose and Gold Coast lose, they're they're starting to cement their place in the eight. So, mm. um, they this is pretty important for them. But it is it's the best game of the weekend by a margin. Um, too sad to contemplate, frankly. But um. Mm. Mm. So, what are you looking forward to the most this weekend, yours? Not listening to BT. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic. Is he suspended again this week, or is he just is he sad? He's or been he stood down. So I'm He's not... been stood down. But oh, is that completely. only from the three AW call, or is that Channel Seven as well? Well, that I heard it was only in regards to radio. No, that I don't know. I don't mm. know if he's actually been stood down from TV, but. Um, that whole fiasco, it wasn't the first time he's done this recently. He, he had a go at uh, someone else on uh, 3OW in the same sort of fashion and called him uh, or accused him of looking uh, metrosexual or, or, or gay. But um, it's it's a problem for him. He should know better. You know? He should just know not, better. He's just not very interesting. He's, he's becoming a parody of himself. And if he just shut up and called the game and actually spent the time to research and actually know which players are playing, then it might be worth it. But I can't bear him. I, I, if I have to watch a Channel 7 game in standard definition, I've got the mute button on. That's just oh, I have actually switched off a game because of his commentary. It's that bad. Yeah. Oh. Look, That's especially awesome. if he's in yeah. the same commentary team with Luke Darcy, then I just avoid the game. Even if the dogs <laughs> are playing, I won't watch it. Say that again. Say that again. Exactly. Alrighty. In the late breaking news, guys, before uh, before we wrap up, uh, Port have been denied the opportunity to wear their heritage jumper. By Collingwood. Uh, um, against Carlton. 
I'm not sure why that is. Probably because we don't care. Did they wear it against Carlton last season? They did. They did wear it in their last game at Adelaide uh, at, Prin- at Football Park. Um, it was to be part of Port's grand celebrations of the 100th anniversary of the club's triumph against Carlton for the 1914 Championship of Australia title. Um, but the league has not approved it, so... Yeah. Tough titties so, for them. It seems pretty mean-spirited. I just one last thing about this whole BT thing. While we're piling on, I'd just like to pile right. a little bit more. <laughs> if that was a fan, if the fan had been caught yelling that over the fence, they'd have been evicted and they'd probably have their membership taken off them in the current environment. Yep. And if it had been a player, they'd have been suspended, had to go to the tribunal and don't be mean. But BT gets a cuddle and counselling. And frankly, I think he needs the birch. Mm. Uh, just well, I guess in compa- you know in comparison and and in you know I guess answering that comment, you, you're right. Look, they dragged that girl um, over the hot coals of uh, you know yeah. a term that she called um, Adam Goods and the publicity that was made out of that. And yet this one seems to have been swept under the carpet pretty quick. Mm. Alrighty. I guess, uh, is there any other journalists we hope make a slip-up like that so we can get rid of them? Is there, oh, any, I, I, is there any I don't? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. I, yeah. I, could, I could quite happily live without most of them, to be honest. Yeah. Most of the current crop are just useless, but then if we got rid of the journalists, I'd be left with guys with like Cameron Ling and... Luke Darcy. Uh, Luke Darcy doing the commentary, and that would be awful. He's not uh, smart enough to say anything. <laughs> Grand final ticket allocations have been announced, apparently. Competing clubs will receive 30,000 tickets split between them. Uh, the MCC will account for 25,000 tickets, and the AFL Reserve, including medallion club members, will get 21,000. The league has allocated 7,340 tickets to clubs, who in turn will apparently... Uh, sell 5,000 of those to sponsors or corporate sales. So, Have they changed that to the competing clubs? Have they up the... They must that have. Sounds, have they? That sounds higher, yeah. 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 It, used to be far, it used to be far less than that. But I... I, just, I how does... From Seppo, from your work, how many it was, members yeah. in, at Fremantle would be guaranteed a grand final ticket based on their membership category? Um, I can't remember our fan or the member allocation we had last year, but I think it was around the 14,000 mark, but something happened. There was a shifted tickets, and I think it ended up being over the 15,000 mark, I think, that we had on the grand final last year. 30,000 is a lot. I mean, I... So that's double. Before the 2012 grand final, the AFL increased the allocation for competing club members by 5,000. So, it must... I think it was 10,000 each before that. Yeah. Yeah, it was really small. Now, now they've increased that a bit, so the AFL perhaps doing something slightly wrong. Look, I've, I've got to say, so far, and I, I just before we start wrapping up, I want to say that I think Gil McLaughlin is doing a much better job at the start of his career as AFL CEO in, in just in getting some communication out there with the clubs, with the coaches, with the players, with the people in general. Then he's coming across much better than Andrew Demetrio did mm. in his latter years. I what on what basis do you say that? I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I'm interested to hear what you're just reasoning. the 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 fact that we're shifting like they're listening to the league in terms of uh, match scheduling and the possi- opening up the possibility of Good Friday and just 
things that people have been asking for for a long time, they're actually being discussed now instead of just getting a flat no from mm. league headquarters mm. without any reasons given, without it's just not, nah, we're not doing it. Now we're getting the reasons, now we're getting the league going, look, we're looking at this, we know that there's a problem with things, we're trying to fix those problems. I mean, getting getting concessions from the AFL on scheduling and ticket pricing and things like that, that that's almost unheard of in the last five or six years. Mind you, I mean, you'd be flying in the face of pretty substantial evidence with the scheduling. I mean, the, the whole 7.30 Sunday night thing was an absolute debacle. Mm. And uh, I love the way they handled it, though, because during, I think, the round hadn't even finished, or by Monday, I think um, Patrick Keane was already tweeting about the decision to you know, openly say what was going on and what they're reviewing. So it's great to see that they're being a lot more open about their decisions and, and the reasons why they're doing a lot of things. So I think that's great so far. Mm. Right. That's it for us tonight, guys. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about, well, hopefully the draft. If we remember, it's a short week this week, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week in terms of uh, draft selections and who's available and who needs what. And So do your research, lads. <laughs> <laughs> like find it on my normal research tab. Try to do it before you get in the uh, into the program. <laughs> should, should we get somebody who actually knows about the kids? We're, we're going to try. If, if we don't have anyone that comes on, it's going to be the shortest draft segment in the history of draft segments. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about the philosophies of free agency and all that sort of business as well. If we want to be, we can get all very interesting and you know. Apparently there'll be a special meeting for um, for, for uh, clubs that are interested in taking the guy that wins the recruit, apparently. Into, Do they all go the draft. get a, a one house and have Indian and invite this recruit over? <laughs> Is that how it's decided? He's going to live in Gillam McLaughlin's spare bedroom. I'm <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not sure. Anyway, that's going to be good night from us. Good night, uh, Messenger. Thanks for coming on. Oh, good night, gents. Don't don't forget to warm the bonocks up before you uh, drink it. A and... hot water bottle's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mike, don't forget to uh, stay warm, cosy. <laughs> no worries, guys. Don't, don't want anything happening to you before next week. Exactly. I don't want to get too excited over the weekend's result. Hey. And uh, Seppo, have a good weekend, lad. I will, and if you do get time, make sure you head over to the Frio board and read, I reckon, what's going to be post of the year on our board, the preview that's set up for our Frio St Kilda game. Did you did you write it, Seppo? No, it's one of our uh, regular funny contributors to our board. It's uh, well worth the read. Oh, okay. Right out, right out. And uh, that'll be a good night for me. I'd like to point out that yet again, for the third week in a row, we have refused to discuss the Asada situation, and we're not going to. It's Drugs our, are bad, okay, kids? Don't go. It's our guarantee. Exactly. So good night for me, and we'll see you all on the forum.